The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. We are your hosts, Ashley Wright-Eiler. And I'm Joel Sharpton, and we are The Articulate Coven. Ashley, Ashley. Joel. Um, I, I did a, you and I both did a show, actually. We spent a little time in Southern Ohio doing an outdoor drama called Blue Jacket. Oh, yes, yes, we did. And as part of the pre-show for that show, one of the extra jobs you could get as an actor is working the pre-show uh, uh, song uh, little performance while the people are eating their dinner before they come oh, down into the theater. Yes, you'd send some folks up there. You'd sing some classic folk songs, you know, period-appropriate songs. And the one that I still remember to this day is Froggy Went a Courtin'. Froggy Went a Courtin' and he did ride. <laughs> And I think you very well could have titled this episode. I love the beautiful poetry from Anne, don't get me wrong, but this one could have been Lestat went a courtin' and he did ride, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. Lestat went a courtin' and he did ride, uh huh, uh huh. Antoinette's finger by his side, Lestat went a courtin' <laughs> and he did ride. Uh, it was a beautiful ring it. on that finger, though. It I don't blame Claudia for keeping it. She wasn't no, wearing absolutely. it later, but I don't blame her for keeping it. So, so if you haven't, uh, if you don't know what you've stumbled into, this, by the way, is a uh, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's interview with the vampire and uh, the lives of the Mayfair witches from AMC and AMC Plus. We are here to talk about episode six of uh, Interview with the Vampire, like angels put in hell by God, and we will be spoiling the episode. So, if you haven't seen it, uh, friends, here comes you need the to evil. Turn back now, <laughs> beyond there be dragons. So. Uh, uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, first of all, and I haven't pulled the credits. Let me pull that up real quick on oh, the yeah. IMDb website here. All right. So for episode six, like angels put in hell by God, director was Levin Aiken and uh, Colin Abair was the writer. Um, man, excellent this writing work, room. everyone. Oh <laughs> this man, writing room they're so just fun. Continues I would to love to show be a, off. I would love to be a fly on the wall in there. Also, we need to look up. Joel, we got to start paying more attention to who the editor is of these episodes because Mm. the editor plays such a huge part in the storytelling. And I like uh, this goes back to uh, Breaking Bad for me, like being becoming obsessed with that show and listening to the insider podcast that was hosted by their editor, Kelly Dixon. And it really got me paying attention to like editing and such in, in shows and especially something of this like arc and this majesty. You know that the editor is working hard to like get that 51 minute cut just where it needs to be and not not miss the good stuff and let go of some of the things that oh, maybe hard to let go of oh there's so much going on behind the scenes so film editing on this one was janet weinberg is the credit for this episode give it up for janet the other thing that I want to call out here is the music from daniel hart oh my was the entire episode underscored so not just the entire I, I believe the entire episode was and honestly the vast majority of the series has been has been scored uh, this episode especially though and I called it out right early here one of the reasons why this this whole episode sort of colored by the courting phase which is honestly just the beginning of the episode but the reason why that was so impressive to me was the soundtrack um, you know the soundtrack the score throughout the series has been fantastic but in this episode especially and in that sequence uh, through Louis's recovery and Lestat's courtship there's this lovely little light tune that's playing 
I mean, it felt like a European romance with Cary Grant as the lead or something, right? Like it's, and obviously there's still heavy stuff going on there. Louis is, is incredibly, you know, beaten and, and dismembered uh, as the show begins, but goodness gracious. I don't know that I've it's ever... It's so lovely. It's so fun. Right. I don't know that I've ever been so aware of the music. I like that you call it a courtship. I'm going to call it love bombing because mm. that's what narcissists do in abusive relationships, Joel. <laughs> Well, and, he, he and Lestat's doing some love bombing. You love bomb me with a like nice car. Years. Yeah, well, that's like that's love bombing over the course of like two months in a, in a human relationship, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, that's a good point. Or like two weeks of love bombing, probably more accurate for our guys here. Some great line delivery in that sequence, though, from uh, Sam as Lestat, especially. He's perfect. I, the, first and foremost, when he shows up with the gift, rings the doorbell, and Claudia answers, I love, he says, I've been calling rather often. I'm not sure if the uh, <laughs> <Operator's> <laughs> operator connecting. is putting me through properly. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're getting my texts or not, um, but uh, I have <laughs> right. been trying to contact you. I've been left on red. It's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> It's such, such, such uh, uh, a crazy thing to watch him at work here. The book that he brings there, um, number one, I love books. Like the physical of a book in the hand. And that would be like, you're going to woo me with books, asshole? Well, you're going to really probably get me then, you know? And that book was so beautiful. I was just wondering if there... If there's any sort of like Easter egg I'm missing there about that particular hmm, I book. I haven't seen anything. I didn't I didn't recognize it particularly. I didn't either. I was I just have not seen anyone call that out. Completely like Twitter. in love with it. I was like, Well, yeah, I'd let you in for that book probably. Damn it. Uh yeah, I, I gotta tell you, like bringing a first of all, that is very much something that Louis would be into, I think, book Louis especially. Absolutely. And it's also very much something that Lestat would do. It's lovely, which is the thing that he focuses on, oh, not the yes. contents of the ancient book, right? The There's aesthetics. a book from the 1500s. But he's like, it's very, very pretty. Don't you see that, Claudia? <laughs> <laughs> Look how gorgeous it is. Yes. Claudia is fantastic. Uh, Bailey Bass is so great in this episode. Claudia is seeing her as a caretaker instead of a... Uh, more of a child or a, or that she's the the young one being taken care of seeing that role reversal with her and Louie was just really fantastic so uh the other moment there in the early section that i thought was really really something was uh in that same thing he, he shows off the book claudia says no one here wants to talk to you you know goodbye <laughs> lestat says well let's let louis speak for himself why don't you oh, tell, yes. him, tell me <laughs> and he throws the coffin out the balcony onto the rue royale first of all it's the first jump scare of the entire series for me right. i literally jumped up and down <laughs> when that when it happened because i was on edge based on last week's uh, events and the fact that claudia here is still like throwing daggers with her eyes at lestat i said maybe somebody's going to get attacked here no the coffin scratch you know explodes onto the the street and then I got a good belly laugh, honestly, once, yeah, once I realized great. there was an actual violence there. That's a good joke, and Louis's not even there in the scene. You know? So funny. And Lestat, uh, Sam does this very just like like little cut of his eyes to to the left, and it's just, it was so brilliant. He played that so well. He didn't flinch, but it was just like, oh, okay, I see where we are. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without both of you. Very different deliveries on the two lines. 
both at the same time as he gives them the car or tries to give them the car before Claudia scratches the hood and throws the keys away. <laughs> um, my question to you is, do you think that Lestat loves Claudia? No. In, in the show? No, not in this presentation at all. Like, I will say this is something that I think is really hitting home for me really hard. And I was thinking about it this episode that more so than in more so than in the book, even I feel like Lestat is going to deserve what's about to happen to him. And I don't necessarily know that I felt that way in the 90, when I watched the 94 film, I don't even know that I really felt that way when I read the book, you know, for the first several times. But like this time I'm like, yeah, no, we're going to kill this guy and it's going to be a hoot, you know? I think that is a central argument that will continue to happen about this series as we move forward and it may that argument may grow more more you know into a cavern instead of a little ditch between the fandom as the series progresses because it well that occurred to me this week last week we finished episode five and my wife turns to me and asks so tell me again why do you all love Lestat so much <laughs> and I said well you got to remember he doesn't do this in the books right that was my first thing and so this week, when we've had that discussion a few times this week, we finished this episode this week, uh, episode six, and she asked me again, she says, okay, I mean it seriously now. Tell me, why is it that you all love Lestat? And what I came down to in the final summation of it all is what it really boils down to is we all love Lestat because Anne Rice did. Yeah. And Rice, Lestat was Anne Rice's favorite. She was, he was her muse and he spoke to her for the better part of 40 years and for all but, you know, three of the books effectively. And because of that, we have this incredibly years long journey with him over his centuries long life. And we see all the shades of Lestat. We see him at his best. We see him at his most debonair and charismatic. We see him at his low points as well, but you know, you, it's hard to encapsulate that in one season of one series from effectively only two characters' points of view. Absolutely. From Claudia's point of view, we've seen from Louis' point of view. Yeah. And the question for, for me is, knowing that if we get good adaptations of all of these books as they move forward, Lestat must become a little bit more centered in the narrative uh, in the future. Have we soured that possibility by giving Claudia and Louis so much reasoning for what's coming here in the finale. No, I don't think so because I think for the first time I really feel like I feel like it, it was always supposed to be deserved, but this is the first time I'm really seeing it that way because the point of view is so strong from the Claudia Louis perspective, and I think that's the difference this time when I'm reading it. I know as a reader, that I'm about to go and see Lestat at his very, very high points, his very, very low points, his very, very hot, famous points, his very, very sad in the ground points. So, like, I understand that character has more of an arc. And it's also taking into account the fact that these characters are supernatural and otherworldly and live a much longer existence than we do and I think in in this world that Anne set up it's so important for them to be able to go hard 
bad. Go hard, good. Go hard, weak. Go hard, strong. Because you need to see those dichotomies. And then you can flip and see it from a totally different perspective. And it's like a brand new character is talking to you. And that's why this never gets boring. Mm. Well, the writers promised us to bring something new even for the book lovers you know they they wanted a modern adaptation that would work for mainstream tv and and i think clearly based on the ratings and the continued rollout absolutely of, of this and amc plus internationally i saw i read an article earlier this week they rolled out into a bunch of uh international markets uh this month oh i hope that on, means some of our friends are getting to watch it that haven't gotten to see it yet Exactly, exactly. Should be available to more people soon as that continues. But that's largely on the back of the strength of this final season of The Walking Dead that's going on right now and and the beginning of the immortal universe with, with Interview with a Vampire, which has been so successful. So, I, I mean, I guess, I guess you're right. And honestly... Honestly, that very question, the idea that that TV show viewers that haven't read the books or haven't read the books, you know, already for 20, 30 years in their life, <laughs> right. they're going to be coming to us with those questions. Why do you love Lestat? And so here we are as longtime fans having to wrestle with that right. very question. What is it about this character yeah. that is so enigmatic and so compelling for us? And and we have to sort of wrestle with the true horror of many of the things that he's done and will continue to do as we go through forward in the series. And guess what, folks? Uh, don't be smug if you're not a Lestat fan. All of the other characters do plenty of, of bad shit, too. Oh, We're yeah. all going to get our comeuppets uh, yeah, eventually don't you through, worry. <laughs> through the AMC lens, I think. I mean, already here, Louis has been given a spotlight on some of his own misdeeds, I think, pretty clearly. And the things that he and Claudia are now planning to do to Lestat, I think, will also be given the same horror and directness that we were given with the attack on Louis an episode ago. Absolutely. And, and I think that those two are going to mirror bombing. for sure. I think that too, we have to see it being, we have to see it and understand that it's a crime, you know, mm. going forward as kind of like a spoiler for, you know, what happens in Europe and when they come across Armand, etc. you know, like we have to feel like this, Although we may feel like it's deserved, we still have to feel like this is wrong. So I'm very interested to see how it's going to all play out. But I think one of the things that that's a, like a little peek into the true character of Lestat is in the scene where Claudia and Louis are giving him their rules about, hey, this is we're going to get back together as a family, but these are the rules. And um, and then a, a bit later they ask him about his maker and he tells the story that is true of his making. And it's one time that he's very, he's very genuine. It's very different portrayal um, than we've seen really Sam do a lot in the character because it's such a, a vulnerable kind of moment. And I think it's kind of a little, little hint, a little kiss into what we're going to get later. Oh, here's a perfect opportunity, Ashley. It occurs to me that you and I have not talked about this on the show. So uh, several episodes ago, when we saw Claudia's diaries for the first time, there's a moment where one of the diaries is opened. Uh, Daniel opens it to a particular page marked with a rose. We noted in our episode, the writing is different, the handwriting is different, and the text is actually directly lifted from the Vampire Lestat, the novel. It is uh, the scene uh, when he's trying to kill the wolves, his horse has been injured badly, and he has to put her down. That's the scene that's depicted in that uh, uh, moment from the uh, diaries there in the show. We discussed it. Oh, goodness. 
He's already written in Claudia's right. diary. Oh my Isn't God, this that's... going to be amazing? They're going to show Lestat's perspective. Maybe we'll even get it before the season is over. Friends, the writers came out on Twitter and said it was just a mistake. They screwed up somewhere along the way. <laughs> listen, you and I both come from the theater world. We've got We're friends also that have crazy. In, in... We think everything matters, and it was a fucking continuity error. <laughs> that I mean, look, hey, it, ha- it does have. It was hard for me to imagine that something so bold and so clearly, like clearly if anybody sees that in a screen capture, we're all gonna lose our minds over it. And the fact that that would still be allowed through through the props person and through the editing department and the director and the, all the people who have to sign on off, off on a project to have missed it. They it don't know how crazy we are, credulity. you guys. <laughs> However, turns out there was nothing to that. So, yeah. so here though, here we do get another scene and this is I think probably the third little glimpse. We've had the mention of Nikki before in the passionate oh, violinist Jesus. that uh that that Lestat had written a song for. We got the mention of his father and brothers and their brutality about the uh the church and pulling him out of the church when he wanted to become a priest. That was at dinner with Mama Dulac. Now we've gotten the story of Magnus, and then later we do get a little bit more of the story of Nikki of as Nikki, well. Yeah. Um, but here, I think Magnus was, I was for me a little bit of a heartwarming moment because the, it seemed like genuine sharing. Claudia and Louis yeah. are genuinely interested in where do they come from? What is the nature of vampirism in this world? Wh- what is your origin story? That and w- because again, like think about. I mean, okay, I'll tell you in my own life. My my mother has only in the last few years discovered parent not expected i think is the 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 name that they use she did a dna test it turns out her her father is not her biological father this was a you know alarming thing for right. she and, oh and i goodness. and my yeah. sister to learn right and so we've spent the last several years trying to discover who exactly this family was learning a little bit about he's he's also our biological grandfather has passed as well so we but learning a little bit about him about the family that he comes from connecting with some cousins this is what effectively louis and claudia want to do there we all they, crave they those connections yeah we yeah. want to know where we came from we want to know everybody wants that i feel like you know and and it's harder for some of us than others to track down you know um and i think that that's and lestat kind of- lestat offers his heart here you can see it in his eyes he tells them the truth uh, i say that it's, it's slightly different from the book version only in that the uh, book magnus only kept them there kept him there one night he didn't keep him i think for a week or 10 days or whatever lestat says in the the thing and i believe lestat didn't discover the bodies until after he had been turned into a vampire and and magnus was already gone i think in the book so it's maybe slight variations there but still the basic core of it that he was was kidnapped was tortured was forced into vampirism by Magnus and then abandoned immediately by Magnus's jump into the fire. That's all from the vampire Lestat. I mean, straight from it. That and is that the history. He cries of, of that he, that's not what he wants, that he that he asks, you know, like cries to God. Like like he has all of those moments where those all are genuine moments. Even if he's God, and that's the thing, he's such a little shit. And um and he's referred to as a brat this time by yes. uh, Louis for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, finally. Oh, he's such a brat. It doesn't even seem to do it justice, but it is so apropos. He's a a brat. <laughs> but the that openness, that willingness to share from from Lestat, even you know, obviously begrudgingly, because this is like in recompense for the harm that he's done to the family. Right, and he's only doing it because it serves his purpose. 
Like, yes. I'm not. I like. I will say it's genuine sharing, but he's only doing it because it serves him. Yes, yes. No, you're absolutely right there. But but that is immediately taken and used against him like a weapon by Claudia. You know, with with the Nikki comment especially. Oh, she, so she knows a little bit cutting. about that. And so she turns the just twists the knife into him, twists the knife into him. And like we've said previously with Lestat, where he can't help but get the last word, Claudia here cannot help but torture Lestat openly. She's already plotting his demise, even I think as soon as he's welcomed back into the home, as soon as Louis comes back with him that very first night, I think I think Claudia has decided I'm going to kill this motherfucker. But she doesn't know exactly how it's going to work. She doesn't know how Just to win, win Louis <laughs> over to her cause, right? Right. And so she she kind of limps along. But she still can't bring herself to offer the sweetness. Go back, think about when she returned from her college sojourn. We talked about how that, that initial thing that she says to Lestat and then Lestat stabs her. Here they are. They can't it reminds me so tragically. Now listen, I don't I don't treat my son the way that Lestat treats Claudia. That's not what I'm saying. But these arguments between the two of them, because they are so much alike. In oh so my many gosh, ways. absolutely. This happens with my son, my thirteen year old son. He and I cannot walk down from a simple discussion sometimes because we are so much alike we cannot help but push each other's buttons and that's we might both even be aware of it and not want it now unlike in this relationship we we're not actually acrimonious we don't want to hurt each other right but still our natures call us to that so here when there is active animosity lestat wants her gone and out of the way he is angry even here at the end in the resolution of this episode he's angry that he believes that claudia would actually help and save louis and that he couldn't do it alone yeah that's he one hates of the reasons it. why he bring yeah it's one of the reasons why he brings her back with such violence i think is because he's sort of taken it out on her that he can't be what louis needs well on I, I also think he wants to scare her i think he wants to scare her into staying for louis he oh, can't have her running absolutely. off anymore he Although, wants to terrify her ashley if Lestat had done what he did to Louis in last episode, would he have to make any grand shows to you to scare you into? I mean, like I, I wouldn't, I would never have run away. The bravery and the audacity that Claudia has and shows oh, in this such series. A, yeah, Claudia is not one of my favorite characters. I'm not a Claudia apologist, and yet. I'm falling in love in certain ways with Bailey's portrayal, and I am again reminded of why this is such a compelling character and how I think a whole new generation of people are going to fall in love with her specifically, even maybe more so than our boys, because of the fact that even after last week's beating, she's gone. She And fuck Lestat, fuck Louis too, if he can't be without him. You know, I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find freedom. I'm going to find a life for myself. Even after the harm that was done to her outside of their family in last episode, she's still making her way in the world or trying to. When no one chooses you, you have to choose yourself. And that's what Ooh. she does in this. She when she hasn't been chosen by anyone. And this is her opportunity to choose herself and to make choices for herself. And even when Louis sends her off and he says, you're different now. You can you can you can smell trouble from a mile away, you know. Even in that, he's giving her more power, more strength to make the choice to leave. He's pushing her away. First of all, Ashley, we're not recording this on Sunday like we normally do. We recorded no. on, on Monday today. I'm sorry, you guys. I you're lost not, my voice. 
Don't even worry about that. I was just going to say, you're not supposed to take us to church on Mondays. We go to church on Sundays around here, so you got to you got to stop with the, no with one the knowledge her, bombs there. No one shows herself. Listen, though, I, I said right in that scene where, which, by the way, the, uh, the title of that piece of the soundtrack is called Sister, You Don't Need Me Anymore, I think is the name of it. It's something oh. really lovely. That that uh, that Louis says there. Hang on, I got to pull it up. Yeah, yeah, that underscore in this whole. Hey episode. sis, you don't need me. Hey sis, you don't need me. That's the name of it. Oh, I loves it. Daniel Hart. He's he's my new dude. Um, so what I said about everybody here is what every sister knows. Your brother always needs you. Oh. Every sister fucking knows that. I've got That's a brother. A true story. I know my brother always needs me. You got a sister. I know your sister knows she always. You always need her. You I know? do. Fuck, I do very badly. man. This is a messing with us joel messing with us we've talked a lot about the million different ways that aging claudia up was a good idea we were always on board for that for yeah. sure this episode again makes it plain though one of their overarching ideas about why it was important to do that why for the story does it matter in this version louis says it there hey sis you don't need me Claudia knows it. Louis knows it. They're not locked together no. by Miss Birth in this telling of the story. They're locked together by love. They do love one another. They are compelled to share existence with one another. And they will do that as we move forward into season two. And yet, it's not the forced nature of that relationship that it was in the movie or definitely in the book where it's, you have a yeah. five or six-year-old or a, or a ten-year-old um, as portrayed who literally cannot move about society without an adult An adult. People her. would be like, why is this baby in the park Right, alone? she'd keep getting arrested. Like this yeah, actual I mean, five-year-old. Like people are like, Kirsten Dunst played the five-year-old. I was like, no, she didn't. You were on drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, friends. Listen, she was stretching ten, okay? Because yeah. she was a she was she a was... very pretty thirteen-year-old, yeah. I think, when they filmed that. <laughs> Let's, yeah. Um. So I I I did love that resolution. Although it was there's a confusing line in there, and I want to put it out there. Maybe I'm the only one that was confused by it. On my second rewatch, I, I thought it was a little bit clearer. The night that they say goodbye is also the night that Lestat returns her, right? Is that the I, way that it played out I the read show? that as that. I read it that okay. way. I think that's the case. Louis has a line after she leaves. He tells Daniel that he contemplated meeting the son that night. Uh, you know, he was sitting there on the bench and thinking, oh, they'd just find a pile of ashes in my walking cane, and wouldn't that be interesting and scandalous, you know? <laughs> and he decides against it because years ago, long ago, Paul had ruined grace's wedding night with his death and he wouldn't do that to claudia's escape but he says specifically i wouldn't do that for the anniversary of claudia's escape i guess what he when i rewatched it the second time i think what they're trying to say there is louis was saying i won't have her remember for years to come right. as she celebrates her escape from from me and and lestat that i also died that i night. went to the sun that night yeah that right. she lost but, me so, forever but no time has passed there she has not been on that on that train journey again for even a night or two oh no i took that as literally being like she settled in thinking booyah I'm gonna make it, and then here comes here comes Uncle Les <laughs> with yeah, a puppet. I think, <laughs> I think that's the way that it plays out. It was like I said, it was a little hard for me to understand as they as they told it. But yes, I believe that that's the case. If somebody knows for a fact a different way, please let us know that in the comments or or in your feedback. Um, 
Okay, let's just talk all about that scene right there because yeah. again, the, I, I they put a trigger warning at the beginning of the show because of uh, domestic violence. You know what? There's a there's a scene we've skipped. We'll go back to that in a minute. Let's talk about the train sequence first though because we're right here on it now. Right. This is one of the most Lestat moments of the entire it series. It is so, far. so fucking Lestat wild. Busting through the door, <laughs> holding the head of the train conductor, doing a silly voice, wearing his hat. <laughs> doing a silly here again like the like the uh, uh german on their bayonets oh you my know, god again we get and a when, brooklyn accent this well, time and when they're playing when they're playing uh nosferatu after watching watching that you know this oh, reminded yes. me of that immediately i was like <laughs> oh fuck yeah he this is this is listen lestat is not cruel in the same way that was displayed i think last episode and we talked about that book lestat would not attack louis in that way but Lestat will prance around with a part of a corpse. A hundred percent. He danced The scene around. in the 94 movie where, where he, he dances dance with around Claudia's mother. Mom. That is from the Still life friends. in the old girl already. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he is one who would dance with the dead, especially to freak somebody else the fuck out. And uh, so that's exactly what he does here. He kicks in the door. He did tickets, please. Oh, and you can just hear he, the mayhem, like, as he's leading up to it. You know, it's or like. Or when, when he jams the head into the wall to get it out of his way. He's like, <laughs> squinch. splatters you know? everywhere. Oh, love it. <laughs> but there's also a great moment in that scene, too, which, by the way, lots of, like, double-layered meanings there with their dialogue between Claudia and Lestat as they discuss, well, and even you know, too, her like, coming back. Brett loved my husband. My husband, um, unlike Kelly, uh, your wife, my husband Brett is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Team Lestat all the way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he loved this scene so much, especially when he let the dog out and he's standing there. He's, there, he's sitting there having that conversation while he's letting the dog lick the blood off of his hands. <laughs> Well, I love it. He tries to wipe it first. He tells yeah, the dog to like, shush when he first walks in. He gets his handkerchief out and he's trying to wipe his hands. There's a lot of blood. It's very, very sticky. And he realizes, oh, there's a dog here. Oh, Why waste mm. all of this? I'll let the dog out. I like dogs. The dog licks the blood <laughs> off my hands. Also, yes, exactly. Let's talk about, by the way, and this is one of the things that I pointed out to Kelly um, as a little example. Where of you like, like no, foreshadowing, no, right, he's right. going to have a dog later. <laughs> well, no. The dog likes him, though, right? The dog likes him, doesn't growl, doesn't bark, whimpers when he first comes in a Joel, little bit. the dog bit. likes shush, the shush. blood. The dog's, well, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe. <laughs> but the dog doesn't growl at Lestat. Meanwhile, let's go back to when Claudia and Charlie are screwing in the buggy. The horse is in the stable losing its GD mind, trying to break out because it knows the evil is about to destroy Charlie. I'm saying animals like Lestat. <laughs> they do not like Claudia. That is true, apparently. Dogs know, Ashley. They dogs know do who know. the good dogs people are. Dogs do know. And Lestat does have a dog later. Well, he's got dogs earlier, too. They've already yeah. mentioned his mother gave him mastiffs. Yeah, for, he had his hunting. dogs. Yep. So he had dogs in life. He has dogs several times during his vampiric life. And especially, uh, you know, the Till of the Body, Body Thief, Thief is the famous when yeah. He gets Mojo is the name of the, the giant dog that he gets in, uh, in that one. By the way, based on a dog that Anne actually owned in real life. So I think we're likely to get Mojo at some point. Uh, I re not too soon, better. Uh, not too far <laughs> off, too. Um, let's go back to that previous scene. So as Lestat is finishing up his courting, the thing that finally breaks through seven years, eight years into this uh, this separate, separate separation and estrangement, which, by the way, I love how they have sort of massaged and changed uh, these three, their life together. You know, the period in the books is basically Lestat and Louis are together like 10 years, 15 years or something. Then they have Claudia, and they're together for like 40, 50 40, years yeah, in the books. Yeah, 40, 50 
and and then they all separate. Here, each group have had periods of contentment and separation and contentment and separation a few times now. I think that is honestly more realistic, especially with the slightly compressed time frame. And it's true to all of these characters and the way that they interact with each other while giving it a little more explanation and reasonableness, right? Like for the mainstream audience who haven't read the books, who haven't lived in these characters' heads for 30, 40 years, <laughs> this show makes their interactions with each other and the way they treat each other make a little bit more sense, I think, and oh, make it more, yeah. more realistic. Yeah. Because I mean, well, we like these, we like these portrayals too. Like that's the other thing is that like, I don't know that I've ever liked all of these characters this much. And that's saying a lot because I love these characters and I just don't know that I've ever, I never dreamed I would see someone playing Lestat the way Sam Reed is playing him. He just is, he embodies the character in such a beautiful way that it's just so hard not to get completely caught up in the bullshit. <laughs> you know, now that you, now that you say that, this is something that I saw come up on Twitter this, this past week. And I, I hadn't decided whether or not I was going to uh, say something about it on the show. Cause I don't want to get negative feedback if, if folks are really in love with this guy or, or with this crew that I'm talking about. Uh, Cody Fern, who played the Antichrist in the uh, American Horror Story uh, series, I think he's appeared a couple of times. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I think he, uh, by a couple of times, I think he's appeared in a couple of seasons. That yeah, character has anthology recurred. stuff. Yeah, but um, that's what he's primarily known for. He was apparently in heavy discussions with the show for the role of Lestat when this was at Hulu, uh, back when it first started up there. And then that production fell apart. The rights eventually moved over to AMC, and now we ended up with this show. Nothing against Cody Fern. I think he would have probably made quite a good Lestat. I'm just pretty joked. sure Sam Reed is Lestat. That's what Sam is is just possessed. He's just so perfect. But even more than that, it occurred to me, and I'd never really thought about this before, because you and I talked, we had a whole episode actually about the Hulu adaptation that was coming at the time. And then in the interim, we never actually talked about the AMC adaptation. Right, because we didn't as it think it was going to happen. <laughs> we, honestly, we didn't believe in it. Yeah, we talked about that before we, we came. We, the show had already died twice at that point, even in this little interview. Room and we were sort of we were sort of burnt out. We thought it wasn't going to happen. All we'd ever get to talk about was the books. Well, now we know what has happened. I look at that and I think to myself, boy, I mean, it might not have even been been bad, but it does strike me that a lot of the creative team, a lot of the creative crew for that Hulu adaptation would have likely come over from Ryan Murphy's crew the American Horror Story crew and American Crime Story and all the different shows that they do, and they do most of them now with Hulu. Um, I That's a fine crew. They do very, very good work. However, I am very satisfied and very glad oh, that what we got yeah. instead was a lot of the creative crew from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat this, that. <laughs> I mean, those are not the same genre at all, you know, uh, this isn't a, a horror crew that comes into this primarily. What they are is a heavy drama crew. Well, they and know it's character about driven. Heroes, yes, they know about character driven, anti heroic stories, and that is what we have before us. This is technically horror because we're talking about vamps and ghosts and ghoulies, but folks. It's more about gothic romance. It's more about character drama. It's more about 
the nature of existing alongside one another for hundreds, thousands of years, and what would it take to build relationships that could last that sort of time frame? What would it take to build a personality for yourself that right. could withstand that march of time? Well, just the think loss about... of all of your loved ones, right. the, the, the loss of the world that you understand, and the slow growth of a world around you that is all but incomprehensible. That's what this series is about. And I think that's the difference between what we could have gotten a couple of years ago with Hulu and what we are getting now with AMC. And I hadn't really thought about how lucky we are. This is the best yeah, timeline, Yeah, we are very folks. lucky. Yeah, this is definitely it. We are, we are in the preferred timeline. Yeah, absolutely. I am... Uh... Uh, going back to, I know you, we were kind of on the brink of it talking about, I assume, Antoinette's uh, air quotes, inverted commas, murder, uh, yeah, where well, he so comes even back. Before that, let's talk about the song. So, Ashley, oh, have you ever, oh, had, fuck have you. You ever had a paramour? <laughs> have you ever had a paramour write you a song? Oh, man. No, not exactly. But I've had some sort of bullshit similar to that. And it just <laughs> fucking crawled all over me. I have never been so annoyed. Yeah, because it's the kind of shit, that manipulative bullshit. And then, of course, he gets his lady friend to fucking sing. That just, oh, Joel. So here again, that's oh, what I think. What a dick. I think, they, I think they weren't perfectly clear, though, because I saw a lot of people on Twitter get this wrong. Here's the sequence of events. Lestat writes a song for Louis. Come to me, by the way, <laughs> is the name of the song. It's Where lovely. does that come from? Let's go back. Episode one of this series, as uh, Lestat confronts Louis at Paul's funeral. They're marching there. No, get away from me. He goes to the funeral. Mama Duloc disowns him effectively. He goes, he gets drunk. He tries to find Lily. Lily's dead. He goes to the church. Please, God, save me. The devil's got his roots in me. And then he ends up turning to a vampire because Lestat has been telepathically calling him the whole time. What does Lestat call to him? Come to me, Louis. Come to me. The music that's playing in that scene, by the way, on the soundtrack, it's it's titled Vian à moi, which is French for come to me. It's like poetry, Ashley. <laughs> it rhymes. That motherfucker has been saying come to me the entire oh. time for their relationship. This is the refrain. L yeah, Lestat. but he can't just fucking say it, Joel. He has no, to fucking manipulate thing. him. He has so to I, send him songs and poems and bullshit. Uh, People miss it. People miss it. There are two versions of this song. The yes. second version that Daniel and Louis and Rashid and Dr. Fareed, which we'll get to in a little oh, while, love. they <laughs> all are listening to in modern day Dubai. That is a re-recording at some later unspecified date with only, only Lestat's Lestat. voice. Mm -hmm. That's the version that we hear. It's full or it's a full orchestration and Lestat's voice. That's what we hear on the soundtrack itself. The version that they play in the show that Louis gets from Lestat in 1937, 38, whatever it was, and is playing in the room and then takes across the Mississippi River and breaks for Lestat and Antoinette. That version didn't have Lestat's voice on it at all. It had Antoinette's. Oh, oh my hell, God. motherfucker. You gonna write me a song and get oh, your lover to no. sing it. Mm -mm. Are you fucked in the head? Yes, you are. Like, yes, yes, you are fucked in the head. <laughs> on the flip side though, Ashley, he hadn't crossed that river until he got that vine. Oh, you shut up. That is a Just terrible saying. reason. Never Just cross saying. a river for a record. Calling. Ladies and gentlemen, never cross a river for a record. Lestat got fucked, though, didn't he? That's oh, yeah. all I'm saying. I mean, it kicked her out of her own fucking house. The balls on these two. The balls on these two to tell I this woman to get out. Audacity. She's like, it's my house. Well, and then they, Do you think and he said I there's. Care? 
there's three of them, there, but there were three of you. And you, you see the three of them, Lestat, Louis, and Antoinette. And then you see the next thing you see is Claudia. And it's yeah, like, Daniel yeah, there meaning... are always fucking three of you, no matter what. You can't you can't just be a couple. You've got all these fucking in, in, intertwining relationships. Well, and if anybody happened to watch the last scene in this episode... There might be three of you in the future as well that cause some problems back and forth. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Who mm. could it be now? Who could it ding. be? Uh, I love this. I love this whole part with Antoinette. Let me ask you this, because again, the fandom is confused. Why did they cut I her finger off for real? Couldn't so you just I, cut someone else's fucking finger off? Brett was I, like, I think, he just smelled it. <laughs> no, homie, I think somebody is a big Lebowski fan and they wanted to zoom in and show the missing digit. I think uh, that is. A, I think yeah. that's a direct reference well, to the big Lebowski <laughs> where they cut off the pinky toe for the uh, for the nihilist. Oh, girlfriend. I love it. I love um, it. My question to you is: Has Lestat has Lestat turned turned Antoinette her yet? At this point, I don't is, think yet. Yes. I don't think okay. yeah. I don't think so either. I think I he's just so munching on her. I think she knows. He's she said you've made your promises or something to that effect. I think he's yes, told promises her were he's made, promises will be kept. And that's like that's their deal. That's their arrangement. She's gonna do what she has to do to like let him get happy again with Louis. But she has her fucking agenda and it's to be a famous singer and she knows she can't do it there, but once he turns her, she'll have a lot more options. Well, let's give a slight critique then here, because uh, I don't. I like so much about this show. Let me tell you a, a place where I think they kind of slipped up a bit. Antoinette, and the same thing was true for Grace in the last episode. They do not do the aging of the mortal characters quite as well as I would like. <laughs> Antoinette should look older here. I mean, they've been together at this point almost twenty years. By the time we see uh, uh, Claudia and Louis discover them together, they are on the stoop. Antoinette's got to look older than that. Grace, last episode, 20 years older than the start of the show. But She's she got to look a little bit older look, than she did. She did pretty much look the same. Yeah, that that is a good point. I didn't I didn't really think about that. And I think because it's just like, I don't think that I'm clocking the passage of time accurately. But I also think that that's something that they want. They don't want us to be able to clock it exactly. So I think maybe some of that, well, I'm giving that probably too much credit, saying that's on purpose. They're just like wanting to kind of disorient you and not realize. Well, no, that that kind of makes sense. So if you think about it, in in the in the way that time washes over these vampires, you know, sick. There's a line in the Lord of the Rings show uh, that that I just finished recently. By, which, oh my by god, the way, so good! We, Holy shit! It is so. It's so much better than anybody told oh me about. I, I posted on Twitter. God. I thought it was just kind of okay. <laughs> oh, no, the third and so fourth good. episodes. It, listen, it's a slow build, but the third and fourth episodes are great hooks. Uh, and then from there, it is excellent. It's everything you want from a fantasy what? show. There's Lord and of it's Rings. even kid friendly. Yeah, there's right? Lord of the like, Rings swords um, around my house. So no one ever had to convince me that was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. But but in particular, there's a line in that show where uh, 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 Durin and. Um, uh, God, what is his name? The, Elrond? The half-elf. Elrond, yes. Elrond and Durin are speaking. And uh, Elrond hasn't come to see him for quite some time. Durin's yeah. all pissed off. And it occurs to Elrond like 20 years is nothing for an it's elf. Nothing Elrond for doesn't me. feel like yeah. he hadn't been there in that long. But for Durin, he's had children. He got married. Elrond's missed all of this stuff yeah, in his life. Yeah, you missed all these important things in my life that are just... Same thing for vampires yeah. here. Like these vampires, a year... You know, it took three years for Louis to recover. And it wasn't that big a deal for him and Claudia. 
They were separated from, from Lestat for eight years here. And in their minds, when they're talking about the relationship, I think Louis would largely think of himself as with Lestat this entire time. Because eight years ain't nothing right. when you're going to live forever. Absolutely. Without a doubt, like time passage really has little to no meaning in this world. Uh, that scene, by the way, where they break in and, and hate fuck at Antoinette's house. Oh, my uh, God. It, it has my second favorite line of the whole episode. You swam the Mississippi to find me? Uh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lestat. Oh, I love you. The look on his he's, face. Oh, yeah. He's so he pleased. He is so pleased that Louis so came pleased. for him. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, we've talked about it. Louis's given him so little reinforcement for these feelings he's given him so little put i mean he he does fuck him occasionally it turns out but other than that he won't tell him he love him he but he doesn't tell him to leave that wants so bad he but he'll never, never tell him to, tells leave. Him to leave and here what does he do? He swims the Mississippi. He goes for his man. He kicks Antoinette out. He kicks Lestat's ass too, but he also screws him and then brings him home. <laughs> you know, so he gives him the ass whooping that Lestat deserved, which I loved. I think that's, and also I think Lestat kind of enjoyed that too. That's Lestat's personal uh, bag of shit that he's bringing to the table. But, you know, Look. I mean, he stabs him there right at the beginning. He, he bites him at least twice. There's two sets of bite marks on his neck when they're having the conversation later about the yeah. rules. So, um, so this I, this was a serious moment of domestic violence as well. True that. I also thought it was very interesting. I feel like Lestat should have healed fairly quickly from those wounds. So it sort of made me feel like is he choosing not to focus on his healing powers? Like that's kind of how it made me think. Like is he choosing to stay like in this appearance of being injured to invoke sympathy from them because that is interesting to me i felt like for him like i get it's gonna take louis a while to heal up still well, especially like, broken bones oh all my the god internal injuries, just fell from you know. the heavens i love the way they address the cloud gift by the way like they just were like here's the deal and they explain it and they're like this is exactly what it's like and it's not like superman that's a fictional character and none of this is fiction his description, Louis's description of it is almost directly out of the books, by the right. way. It does yeah. feel like floating. It does feel like just a, based on your will, you just will yourself higher. And that's about all of the explanation of it that Anne gives. That we you ever know, really an, get. There was an interesting discussion on our Facebook group about... Um, Which, by the way, that, you guys are freaking awesome. I love they fantastic. I They're freaking so love our conversations on there. I'm sorry I'm, I haven't been more engaged this past weekend, but I'm ready to romp especially in our in our kind of in between seasons where we can really speculate well but the the very the question that came up in particular the, that i thought was relevant here is the nature of scientific answers to some of these miracles and we get some especially as the books go on and has periods where she becomes very scientifically interested i think and so oh, she yes, adds a little bit was, more of that to her writing yeah and then she phases back out of it a little bit too but i think at the core Anne is very much a liberal arts person. She's not a scientific student. That's not her background. That's not her love. That's not her passion. It's not her knowledge. And so even if you explain the nuts and bolts of, for instance, nuclear physics or, or, or you know, uh, uh, Newtonian, not Newtonian physics, but like um, uh, what's the quantum mechanics, for instance, quantum um. mechanics. If somebody's explaining quantum mechanics to me, even if you're breaking it down for a child, 
it's all still going to basically sound like magic to me at the end of it. And like, <laughs> right. even if you give me a real description, I'm like, and that's miraculous. And I feel like that's the, the angle that Anne comes from. And I think that's the universe that she's created here. That's the, the sort of rule set. Somebody asked a question about how fast do vampires in her books heal? It's not instantaneous, even for the very old ones. The very old ones are all but impervious though, right? Like you right. can't, if you're an ancient, you effectively can't be harmed by anything. Punches, even being stabbed by by things, you, it almost doesn't It almost harm does you more harm to the person trying to inflict right, it Right, to the object you. or the person, exactly. Unless that harm is being inflicted by another ancient, right? right. So in that case, Louis' injuries here and the long recovery would make sense. Lestat's injuries, particularly particularly when you think about how much stronger he must be here They're than just, he was in the book. And they just um, seem so like innocuous. Like it's like a little cut above his eyebrow. It's like it's nothing serious. It's nothing like what we saw Louis' busted ass looking like at the beginning of the episode. Like it's a very mild. So part of me just felt like he has to be letting this linger on purpose somehow. Yeah, right. It's, it's a little bit of a put-on. a little on. sympathy I, play. I will say, it did seem to me like, literally, they got out of bed, put on clothes, and then came back across the river to tell Claudia that he was moving back in, yes. pretty much. Like, that seemed like it was almost immediately afterwards. Yeah, or maybe this was a, a the night the night after his return you know like yeah. uh, like she was already in bed when they got home and now we have to have a big conversation the next day about why you took your asshole boyfriend back for the 900th time even though they cheat on you constantly question for you here what were the first three rules when we joined oh that God. scene mm, when we joined know. that scene louis says rule number four and then and kill Claudia Antoinette. Tells them they've got to kill. They've got to kill Antoinette. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what are those first Antoinette. three? And the and rule. And then we have you. You can't lie by omission or by, um, what was it by omission or by uh, exaggeration? Yes. And then I think they add one in a scene after that where they're all going to kill human if they hunt. Oh they yeah, hunt human. that was a great scene, by the way. Well, good <laughs> like example like, there of Lestat. They're like, feel shitty about eating people. Can we just eat people without feeling guilty? Good example there of Lestat using the new paradigm to like to turn uh, to his favor, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, okay. We're like a rule of we're like a, a a council here. No, no leader. We're all together as equals. Hmm. Interesting. Two of us like to eat people, and one of us don't. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for minute that'll be fun <laughs> that's less about me and more about you louis let's shift yeah. the focus <laughs> i like that a lot i also loved claudia's response there when she baws at him yeah. because he uh. said it's the the sheep leading the shepherd dog yes. you know uh, so she's like oh bah. she so won't even speak to him brilliant i love i love her her performance in this episode was fantastic the the two of them at the um at the chessboard was just chef's kiss to me it was just mm, such a great scene they were so well matched you're seeing her really come into her own what's fucked up is that she thinks she's really really matching him and she has no idea how like out of her realm he is like she's at this point where she's like i'm figuring him out i've got this shit together louis we're gonna kill him and sh and he is so like even though she beat him at chess, he's still playing a whole fucking different game than she is. Well, I did love that. That whole chess scene was 
here's another oh. example. You mentioned earlier the edit, the move uh, in the camera from Antoinette as the third wheel to Claudia as the third wheel. That was an excellent editing move. Here too, this entire scene as the tension builds over the chess game, but we're also going back and forth and getting the telepathic conversation between Claudia and Louis, which by the way, I'm 100% on board now. I think the, the creators did the right thing by giving them the mind gift. This is also, it occurred to me, that's going to come into season two as well as Louis and other parties begin to have perhaps secret conversations outside of the hearing or knowledge of Claudia. Right. And that relationship sours, I think. I, that occurred to me in this episode. Too. Well, it's really, anyway. yeah, it's setting up, it's setting up all of these like betrayals that are, our next betrayal is going to mirror the previous one. It's, it's literally, we're repeating the same fuck ups over and over and over again through, you know, the next thousand years just in a different version of it absolutely through the decades thank god the decades, thank god they they're keep... here to fuck it up so we can watch <laughs> right. what would we do what would we do if those uh um uh oh damn it i was gonna make a joke about uh, dallas and i can't remember the name of the family now the ewings what would we do if those <laughs> ewings weren't selling oil in dallas right if these vampires weren't screwing in louisiana what would we do with ourselves joel <laughs> All right, let's get to the um, the wrap-up of this episode. Um, that chess scene builds to a conclusion, and okay, yeah, Claudia, and makes, the, her, their Claudia makes her revelation, her revelation there. She says she's got a secret. I, I know a secret, something that you know nobody else knows, something that you don't know. That secret is you want to kill him, too. You want to kill him, too. And you're going to enjoy it. And then they, I love how that segues, that conversation starts with her, and Lestat playing playing chess. She starts talking to Louis then, and then it transfers to where she's in her coffin. Louis and Louis and Lestat are in bed together, and they're still having this conversation. Lestat would be furious. Oh. <laughs> Dude, not anybody would be like how I mean, how many dare times? You? Listen. <laughs> listen. Everybody's had that moment in a relationship where you're going to town and you realize somebody else is not here. Like somebody making a grocery list or something. Like or thinking just... about their mother-in-law or, <laughs> the, you know, their performance review tomorrow at work. Right, or, whatever. Or maybe they're mad at you, but whatever reason, they're not there with you in that moment. That... Uh, Lestat knows. He might not know he's talking to Claudia right then. He probably doesn't know that they're contemplating murdering him, but he absolutely knows that Louis is not checked in. I also think, and maybe in his insecurity, he's going to assume that that if Louis is distracted, it's because of Claudia. Like just yeah. because oh, he's no, I... in that kind of fight or flight jealousy mode with her, and I think that that's so. Anytime he's like feels any sort of break with Louis, he's going to blame it on her. Well, and he can't. Lestat is not capable, I don't think, of believing that Louis that he's bad for Louis. You know that there is a. I don't think Lestat is capable of believing that this relationship is sour and no. maybe isn't what either one of them deserve. Right? He now, made honestly. Louis for he made Louis for himself. Come on now, I when, picked as you. He said, it took him. It took him almost a century to try again. Like that yeah. little reveal. In it this took episode me so long to pick lovely. you. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So, but but that crescendos, and now Louis says it to himself: "We were going to kill Lestat," and he repeats it for emphasis because he's making a point to Daniel: "We were gonna kill Lestat," <laughs> and Daniel is fucking asleep, passed out. <laughs> Bless our guy. 
So we didn't mention it. Dr. Fareed shows up earlier to administer the, I, I guess, is that is it chemo? No, not chemo. It's Parkinson's I think it, drug, like, right? Yeah. Or, and I think they were doing, they talked about a, a previous time. It sounded like they were doing like vitamin supplements and things like that. I'm not really sure what this was. But yeah, I love this doctor character. He's The whole time he's like, I'm not here. I don't exist. So I don't talk little, about my patients. <laughs> little hint here for folks. This character is a character from the books. We'll talk more about that in the Easter egg section at the end of the episode. But Fareed is a character from the novels. Super exciting introduction there. And I think they're hinting at a whole lot with that character especially. Um, Daniel, though, falling asleep, I thought was a really cute moment and a nice... And they're like, sort of order like, him a blanket. Give him well, a like, fuzzy blankie. <laughs> it's like a punctuation to this episode and last episode. We've had this huge buildup of like tension and drama and violence. Yeah. And oh my God, they're going to kill Lestat. Everybody needs a fucking nap. <laughs> it's going to end in murder. And what are we going to do? We're going to nap is what we're we going to do. We need a nap. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but, but the nap also is the narrative spur to allow us our flashback sequence. We've been talking about this all season. We knew that we were going to get a glimpse at a young, young Daniel. Daniel. We talked about the uh, audition tape that, that uh, leaked on YouTube or whatever from that actor. Here, finally, we get it. We get the scene. First of all, uh, did you recognize... Good. Oh, Did you wait. recognize as they zoom into San Francisco, it's a shot almost directly mimicked from the 94 movie? Yes. Yes, 100%. I, number one, also, okay, yes, it was totally like a pull from the movie. And it totally felt so like, so 70s. Like, I have a photograph that was taken, like, from the car in Reno, Nevada, when I couldn't have been more than, like, three or four years old. But it's, like, lights reflecting and a dashboard and cigarettes. And it was just, like, so... It's just the most 70s Polaroid you can imagine. And that's immediately what this reminded me of. I was like, holy shit. They just, like, grittied this all up, in, like, in a flash. So we, we follow Daniel as he enters uh, the bar. Uh, what was it? Polynesian Mary's. He enters the bar, <laughs> goes directly to the bar itself, sits down. And Recognized by the bartender. Oh, yeah. Okay, teased, so let's talk about that for a minute. Teased so about he, not having money. He argues with Louis earlier and says, no, I wasn't gay. I was just there to score drugs. Score drugs. It was an easy place to score drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened in there. Who cares that it was a gay bar, blah, 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 whatever. No, this guy is there on the regular. Yeah. And not just that, but is sort of a nuisance because he's generally there without cash. He comes there at least to score drugs, and he knows part of the way to score drugs is because he's going to hook up with somebody. Now, whether or not he is personally pursuing those relationships, I suppose you could still argue. But I say the way that he looks at Louis in this episode, the way that he looks at the other person that's in this this uh, scene here, I say Daniel at this point very much a gay man. Well, and at the very least, he's using that um, interview ploy to get what he wants. Yeah. You know, yeah. like at the very, very minimal, what we're getting is this guy has got his like get. He's either using that to get ass or to get drugs or to get drugs and ass, whatever. Both. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Let's get the whole Hookers combo, friend. Um, so the big reveal, of course, though, in this first of all, let's talk about Louis's hair, hair and oh outfit. my god, he looks so fantastic. Can he please be in every? I need to see Louis in every decade. Yes. In every time period. Just show period. me Jacob Anderson everywhere. He looks so fantastic. Please, in the modern you. day, he's cool. In the 70s, he's cool. Also, he looks so happy here. He Louis does. in the modern day storyline yes. is so somber. In the, in the old storyline, he's depressed. 
he is so happy in he this does moment, this or at smile least he's portraying it he smiles at daniel and then he crinkles his nose like he smiles and then crinkles his nose and i was or like when he says he's, so he's a vampire yeah he yeah, says yeah. he's a vampire and then I'm he laughs <laughs> the way that he laughs it off is so it's like childish and yeah. young and flirty yeah it is Ooh, it's, yeah i'm into this louis a lot yeah i really i felt the exact same way i was like this is either a really exciting time for louis or he's in that place that dark place where he's like ah, fuck it i don't know what's gonna happen but here we go i might end up in the sun before the end of tonight so they agree they're going to go to Louis's house, which is not very far on Divisadero Street. And love the uh, way he said that gonna, too. <laughs> I know, right? They're going to do their little interview. If anything else happens, Daniel's cool with it, but you know. But yeah, whatever. Uh, Here for the interview. And then Louis says, "What do you think? Is that okay with you? Do you want to join us?" And his companion steps forward. Who is his companion in the seventies? It's Rashid. It's, it's Rashid. Yeah. Now everyone's okay. like, "Rashid's Armand." Like. Definitely, and I don't know. I still don't think it's true. It is more likely than not. I mean, the I know, but I don't like, like Occam's it. Razor, Occam's I don't like Razor it. says that he's Armand. I, there is absolutely. I mean, I'm still gonna like it. I'm probably gonna like it eventually. But right now, I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. But I'm probably here's, gonna be fine. Here's how they could talk me into liking it. Right, this very much implies that something happens between them, and and. Uh, Daniel has been mind wiped, right? Like, yeah, he can't remember it. So that he can't remember this. He didn't yeah. even know Rashid was there until this moment he went to the dream. dream and recognizes it. But also, so, is it just a dream? Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true too. Is it just a dream? Did, I'm is, like with the people like, on Twitter that are somehow. like, can Rashid just be Rashid? Jesus. <laughs> so I still think there's a few possibilities. He could be some other very old vampire. There are a handful that would make sense in different ways and that would connect to some of the storylines that we think they're leading to. Uh, he could be. there. There's a group of characters in, in the very later books, the Prince Lestat books, called the People of the Purpose. He could be one of those people. Uh, possibly. I don't think though. I don't think so though. I think the most I don't think they would go that far answer. ahead right now. I, I agree. I agree. I that's jumping a lot of I things that's like and bringing in a thirteen books that, ahead, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot to get there like before that. we Yeah. Yeah. So I think the most likely answer is that he is in fact Armand or or some version of Armand. Why is he using the name Rashid? Why have they done this whole song and dance for Daniel's benefit? Now Ashley, doesn't that call into question the entire, like everything that we've heard about why uh, Louis is doing this, the warning that it is to the world. Uh, Rashid has said that it's a, a, suicide, a suicide attempt, attempt by Louis' yeah. part. All of that is called into question for me suicide if they're both by, lying by about the nature of their relationship with Daniel already, right? Oh. And so that that yeah. calls into question the whole nine yards well, i do is, think we'll get the answer in episode seven thank goodness i don't think we're going to leave this lying if and I those do think bastards that, cliffhanger us like that right? i will beat a bitch <laughs> i'll say this if you think about where lestat uh, excuse me where louis and armand are at the end of their relationship um in the book you know they they get together at the end of interview with the vampire and they sort of ride off into the sunset except not really because they're not happy with one another right they end up yeah they end up there going their separate much, ways don't they don't they separate? yes they do they part for quite a while yeah that was the dynamic that i saw with rashid as he as louis asked him do you want to join us and rashid says no have your fun and walks away and to me in that moment i thought 
Boy, that's a lot like what happens when Armand and Louis sour on each other, isn't it? Louis's like, hey, let's do, let's go over here and let's do this and let's do that. And Armand's like, why don't you love me like I want you to? Why don't you want to go to all of the museums in Europe? Why don't you teach me about this thing called the telephone? You know, like, I very much do think. I love how this... disparaging you are of Armand. <laughs> oh, he's a real shit. He's, I like him too, don't get me wrong, but he's a real no, shit. No, 100%. What a dick. But Also... As a guy who kind of thinks Armand's a shit, the fact that Louis has been making him play his houseboy for this entire entourage, yeah, this that entire is very thing, satisfying. I'd be very much down with that if that ends yeah. up being true. So, like he's making little bit his of spoilers amends. there. But folks, you've got to be wondering, like, you know, something's up with Rashid. We're telling you that's one of the possibilities. He could be our sort of season two villain. He, walk, in many he also ways walked here. through Sun again this episode, but we all know that they just kind of sizzle. So, who the fuck knows? Right, and what do the ancients do? You know, we know that the the, the yeah, ones not who have much. lived a millennia or longer, yeah, they don't even notice it in the books. So, so yeah. maybe they don't even sizzle. Maybe. maybe and not. here's the other thing too: we know that the panels can be turned on and off. Yeah. Well, can they be allowed in some version of sunlight that the that the vampires aren't affected by? You know, so well, it looks and like. I think in this episode they set that up. It really felt like that. Like Daniel and the Doctor were at one point in what seemed like natural light, and then. Um, Louis was sitting across from them in obviously the artificial light and Rashid was over in the corner also in the artificial light and then he passed quickly through the natural light but kind of stuck towards the wall so where mm. it was a quick pass and then he was in the shadows again so I don't know I think at the very least they're just messing with us at the very most it's Armand and I'm gonna have to wrap my head around this introduction y'all Next week, the trailer, they're going to Mardi Gras. It is going to be so much fun and so much death. It's going to be it's going to be hellacious. Oh, 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 a quick quick schedule update here. We have talked on the show before. We thought we were going to go two weeks in between episodes as uh, there had been a rumor somehow spread that AMC was going to make the streamers and the cable folks sync up for the finale. I don't that is not true. I would have minded that if it was the truth, but... I wouldn't mind not. it either. I'm glad I'm not having to wait an extra week. I will <laughs> say this. Too. If you're a cable viewer, you need to know that. And for me, I'd go radio silence starting next oh, Sunday morning. Yeah, like, guys. You need or, to get off Twitter. You need to get off Facebook and just wait the week. I'm afraid. Jump until, on yourself. Uh, the, the show is finally available for you on cable because we're not going to be able to not talk about it. No. And jump on us or maybe jump on a seven day trial and just get it and get it early like you know do That's a week a free trial i'm not i mean i'm not above suggesting that absolutely. do what you gotta do friends absolutely absolutely and then you can still watch it again on cable as, as they finish it off on the uh, on the 13th but that means that we will have our spoil our uh, our finale discussion next week and then on the 13th we'll release an episode where we talk about the season as a whole we're going to do some feedback from from our listeners and our, our followers on facebook and yes. twitter and uh we'll talk a little bit of speculation at that point for season two then we'll probably go into a hiatus for a few weeks as we prepare and await the launch of the Mayfair finish that series. Damn witch book! Yeah, finish that giant book um, that uh, that Harry Hamlin refuses to read. Boo on you, Harry! We're gonna yeah, do it. Boo, do the, Harry! Do your homework, bud. I've already read it. I'm reading it again. <laughs> like it's a grade for high school. Get it together. 
so so there you go that that is this episode it was a good one a big twist at the end big surprise lots of folks had theorized in different ways that this was coming we talked about whether Rashid's a vampire we've been back and forth on it yes yeah. he is no it looks like he's human maybe he's one of these other things where could it go also the asshole's happen? always wearing gloves like I mean, now I think that's he's got to be hiding Ugh. his fingernails. Yeah. Right? Surely he's uh, hiding his, yeah. gl- his glossy fingernails. But like, but how are his why eyes not so charming eyes? and sparkling? That's right. Why doesn't he have the fancy vampire eyes? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to get our answers, hopefully, though, starting <laughs> next week with uh, with the season finale. I'm ready. What a blessing to be here and get this amazing storytelling. I want to move to some Easter eggs. So if you are not a book reader and you don't want to be spoiled with speculation more than we already have been, now's your time to bounce off. Ashley, let's dive into it. First okay. and foremost, let's do talk about Dr. Fareed. Um, Dr. Fareed is a character that appears for the first time in the novels in Prince Lestat. He's actually brought into the vampiric world as uh, or, or by the biological son of Akasha. Akasha has a biological son named oh. Seth. He's one of the children of the millennia. He's been around for a long time, or actually he's one of the first brood, I think, technically. And um, uh, Seth creates Dr. Fareed. Unlike, effectively, every vampire in Anne Rice's universe who are all created for their beauty and for love, generally, right? The vampires find somebody who is gorgeous or they find somebody they fall in love with and they turn them into vampires. Mm -hmm. In this case, Seth went out and found someone who was incredibly intelligent and scientifically minded. In particular, he wanted someone who could study and ascertain the nature of vampirism. And that's what he got in Dr. Fareed. Dr. Fareed is turned into a vampire and then is involved in a few different storylines involving the blood and the nature of the blood and how it changes vampiric bodies and how it affects them moving forward. So he should not theoretically be presented to us, the listener, the viewer, uh, the reader at this point in the storyline. However, or in broad daylight. Right. Well, that's the other thing. He's probably not a vampire yet. I would say this, this, presentation of him is actually congruent though because in the story he was already working with vampires seth had already brought him in and he had a relationship with seth and was doing things for seth experiments for seth in between the queen of the dam storyline and Memnock the devil storylines that's where uh farid's all right vampiric story begins even though we the reader don't learn about it until the princeless stat i won't give you more than that because you don't you haven't read it either that's right so but that's that's who that character is. He's got a lot of part to play. And to me, the idea that he's on the board, he, we're still thinking this is pre-Queen of the Damned. The idea that he's on board um, before we have to tackle Akasha and that whole uh, storyline, I think is really, really exciting and offers some interesting options for our heroes as they try to save the world. you know. All I could think about there. when he was introduced was in Hamilton when they say, uh, you have the doctor turn his back so he can have deniability. That <laughs> 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 was like, I kept saying, I'm not here. I'm nope, not that's, here. Not, that's not my voice. Uh, it was very nice to not have met you. It was very nice he to not have met you. He said to no one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I love the actor, by the way. That I think that's a really good portrayal. And boy, could they find two more attractive brown men than Farid and and Rashid in this show, by the way. They were I, both I on just, Showcase here. I honestly, These are good-looking fellas left I and right. I feel like we are getting delivery on good-looking humans across the board. Congratulations, viewers. Here yeah. are your sexy vampires and vampire friends, vampire-adjacent friends, and they are all good-looking, just like you wanted. And none of yeah. them sparkle. 
which is better. <laughs> we we need we hey we shine on our own. We don't need to. That's sparkle. right. We don't need to sparkle. Um. Okay. So that's the first one. The second one, Rashid. Who could Rashid be? There are other options out there. Seth, for instance, it could be Seth because he has that relationship with Doctor Fareed, and he is a very ancient vampire. Maybe it would make sense that he would be tied to, uh, you know, Eastern religions. I, I don't know. If that's a possibility. I think the answer though is Armand. It I think only so makes too. Sense that he would be. I mean, if you look at the timeline, the fact that we're going to Europe in the forties, the idea that Lestat and I mean that Louis and Armand would still be together in the seventies absolutely makes sense. It uh-huh, also makes sense yeah. that that would be when they were souring, right? That yeah. would be the de- departure there. And then the other thing that that leads me to question also might is, be a, a time where Louis would have more confidence because. Yes. He's with a different partner, you know. A part, and he's far enough know. away from the events of of the first novel that he's got a little bit of closure there, you know. Yeah. And yet, whatever modern day circumstance has changed things for him hasn't arisen yet, you know. So, also, he's still killing humans at that point. He said earlier he hasn't killed anyone since the 2000s. So, in the 70s, he was still killing he's people. Still, he's still killing people. Um, the other thing that I that I want to put in there, as far as like the Rashid question goes, um. If it is Armand, then it leaves open the door to that relationship between Armand and Daniel from the 70s. Absolutely. As it appears in the novels, right? Or it could even be referencing a relationship yet to come, kind well, of yes, setting that, that up, too. setting up that tension, setting up that that kind of like knowing. But man, if he didn't, if they gave him a, a forgetful pill, that really sucks. Well, I mean, and again, it goes to show how even in relationships where, I mean, theoretically, if they transferred some of the things from the book, like Daniel would say that, or excuse me, Armand would say that he loves Daniel in the books, and yet he he treats him in this like clearly uh, hateful, torturous way for years, right? You know? And here, if the two of them, if Louis and Armand were complicit in blocking a part of Daniel's entire life, memory exactly. That's yeah, his whole up. memory given him 40 years of thinking that everything went one way when in fact it had gone a different way. Well, and that's the thing about all of these characters have this potential for evil and for bullshittery and fuckery. They all have that innate in them and all of them are unreliable narrators. Uh, We don't have a reliable narrator in the bunch. Indeed. Indeed. They lie is what they do. Like even when they don't, I mean, even when they know the truth, they lie, but often they don't care about things or process things. Just like we said earlier about the processing of time, it's like these vampires exist on a different plane than we are, even though they interact with the physical world like we do. And because of that, the way that they understand things clearly isn't and can't be the way that we understand things. And the things that they care about and prioritize won't be the things that we care about and prioritize. And yet... They struggle like we do to maintain human relationship and to build those and grow those over time. Communication's really challenging, Joel. <laughs> Use your words, no secrets. No secrets. <laughs> Use your damn words, Joel. Um, uh, oh, so one other thing that I did want to mention. We mentioned earlier in the episode that this is the first call out specifically of Lestat as a brat. Of course, he's known as the brat <laughs> prince in the novels. That is was Anne's favorite uh, moniker for him. It's very affectionate. Um, also. Claudia makes the reference to Lestat as the father of, of lies, lies, which is, of course, a great line from the book, and it was used to very good effect by uh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, I love movie. it. 
uh, version in 94 as well. So I like that that call out there. Lestat doesn't get to hear it, but but Louis gets to hear that barb from Claudia as they're discussing him. I love where this show is going. I think, I think I've think i got a glimpse now of where they're going to wrap up this season and, and how they're going to head in. I can't believe we only have one episode left. I know, I know, I know. I, we need, and I ask for this on Twitter, I said, AMC, we've got to get timelines for the second season production. When, when does that start? When can we expect it? What are the timelines here? Is there going to be a spinoff? When is that coming? We need to know just so that we can manage our <laughs> heart palpitations between here yeah, we're and when they come to, back. Trying to live our lives here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, folks, we will be back next week with our discussion of episode seven, uh, the f- season finale for Interview with a Vampire from AMC and AMC Plus. Uh, and we would love to have your feedback on what you think so far of this uh, episode, but the season as a whole. How are you enjoying this adaptation? Yes. And uh, we want you to join us next week as well if you're a cable viewer i'm sorry it'll be another week for you but don't we worry. love you when we you love get you caught up with us you're so brave and strong we absolutely do when you get caught up with, with us on the 13th you'll get two episodes to listen to that day as you'll have episode seven discussion but also our season-long recap will be available that weekend as well so uh you'll you'll have a little bounty for you there uh next week when you get caught up a treasure trove or a couple weeks from now when you get caught up until we talk to you again next week we have been your hosts ashley wright eiler And I'm Joel Sharpton, and we are the Articulate Covenant. Thanks for listening to the Articulate Covenant. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at ArticulateCoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends.